chapter one of imperium in imperio by sutton griggs this librivox recording is in the public domain a small beginning come er long honey and let your mammy fix your spectable so you can go to school your mammy is tarmin to gib your all de book larnin dar is ter be had even ef she has ter live on bread and herons and die and uh, almshouse these words came from the lips of a poor ignorant negro woman and yet the determined course of action which they reveal vitally affected the destiny of a nation and saved the son of the nineteenth century proud and glorious from passing through near its setting the blackest and thickest and ugliest clouds of all its journey saved it from ending the most brilliant of brilliant careers by setting with a shudder of horror in a sea of human blood those who doubt that such power could emanate from such weakness or to change the figure that such a tiny star could have dimensions greater than those of earth may have every vestige of doubt removed by a perusal of this simple narrative let us now acquaint ourselves with the circumstances under which the opening words of our story were spoken to do this we must need lead our readers into humble and commonplace surroundings a fact that will not come in the nature of a surprise to those who have traced the proud rushing swelling river to the mountain whence it comes trickling forth meekly and humbly enough the place was winchester an antiquated town located near the northwestern corner of the state of virginia in october of the year eighteen sixty seven the year in which our story begins a white man by the name of tiberius gracchus leonard had arrived in winchester and was employed as teacher of the school for colored children mrs hannah piedmont the colored woman whom we have presented to our readers as addressing her little boy was the mother of five children three girls and two boys in the order of their ages the names of her children were james henry age fifteen amanda ann age thirteen eliza jane aged eleven belton aged eight and celestine aged five several years previous to the opening of our history mr piedmont had abandoned his wife and left her to rear the children alone school opened in october and as fast as she could get books and clothing mrs piedmont sent her children to school james henry amanda ann and eliza jane were sent at about a week's interval belton and celestine were then left celestine being regarded as too young to go this morning we find belton's mother preparing him for school and we shall stand by and watch the preparations the house was low and squatty and was built of rock it consisted of one room only and over this there was a loft the hole to climb into which was in plain view of any one in the room there was only one window to the house and that one was only four feet square two panes of this were broken out and the holes were stuffed with rags in one corner of the room there stood a bed in which mrs piedmont and amanda ann slept under this was a trundle bed in which eliza jane 
and celestine slept at the head while belton slept at the foot james henry climbed into the loft and slept there on a pallet of straw the cooking was done in a fireplace which was on the side of the house opposite the window three chairs two of which had no backs to them completed the articles in the room in one of these chairs mrs piedmont was sitting while belton stood before her all dressed and ready to go to school excepting that his face was not washed it might be interesting to note his costume the white lady for whom mrs piedmont washed each week had given her two much-torn pairs of trousers discarded by her young son one pair was of linen and the other of navy blue a leg from each pair was missing so mrs piedmont simply transferred the good leg of the linen pair to the suit of, of the navy blue and dressed the happy belton in that suit thus amended his coat was literally a conglomeration of patches of varying sizes and colours if you attempted to describe the coat by calling it by the name of the colour that you thought predominated at least a half-dozen aspirants could present equal claims to the honour one of bolton's feet was encased in a worn-out slipper from the dainty foot of some young woman while the other wore a turned-over boot left in town by some farmer lad who had gotten himself a new pair his hat was in good condition being the summer straw last worn by a little white playfellow when fall came on this little fellow kindly willed his hat to belton who in return for this favour was to black the boy's shoes each morning during the winter belton's mother now held in her hand a wet cloth with which she wished to cleanse his face the bacon skin which he gnawed at the conclusion of his meal having left a circle of grease around his lips belton did not relish the face-washing part of the programme of course hair-combing was not even considered belton had one characteristic similar to that of oil he did not like to mix with water especially cold water such as was on that wet cloth in his mother's hand however a hint in reference to a certain well-known leather strap combined with the offer of a lump of sugar brought him to terms his face being washed he and his mother marched forth to school where he laid the foundation of the education that served him so well in after life a man of tact intelligence and superior education moving in the midst of a mass of ignorant people ofttimes has a sway more absolute than that of monarchs belton now entered the schoolroom which in his case proves to be the royal court whence he emerges an uncrowned king End of chapter one